message is titled, The Misfortune of Bitterness. And for the purpose of clarity, I will be reading and quoting from the King James Version of the Bible. I will begin with Ephesians chapter 4, verses 30 through 32. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed until the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. And now, if you will, turn to Hebrews chapter 12, verses 14 and 15. Follow peace with all men, and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Looking diligently, lest any man fail the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. In the two passages of Scripture, we have read half of what the New Testament has to say about this little word, bitterness. In fact, the word bitterness is only found four times in the New Testament. In Romans chapter 3, verse 14, it is part of God's indictment against unredeemed mankind. And what Paul says of them is this, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. The other time this word is used apart from our reading is found in Acts chapter 8, verses 9 through 24. In that passage of scripture, it is used about Simon the sorcerer who sought to purchase the power of the Holy Spirit with money. Peter said in verse 23, For I perceive that you are in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. So therefore, we read this word bitterness on the pages of Scripture. We find that it is used to describe sinners, those apart from God and a sorcerer. But yet, twice it is given as a warning to the saints as something which we must continually be guarding against. The question I have for you today is this. What is bitterness? Something that is bitter is something that is distressing to the mind. It is something that is accompanied by pain or suffering. Someone who is bitter exhibits intense animosity or unpleasantness. As I make these statements immediately in your mind, you are likely thinking of someone whom you have met and on the pathway of life who could be described as a bitter person. Bitterness seems to be such a small thing, but I want to warn you that bitterness is a very subtle and serious thing. Most importantly, for us as children of God, we must be reminded that bitterness is a sinful thing it is something that we must guard against. It is not right for us to hold any morsel of bitterness in our hearts. 
In our text in Ephesians 4, the Bible says, let all bitterness. That means every bit, every morsel, every ounce, every gram of bitterness must be put away from us if we are to be right with God. The writer of Hebrews warns us to be on guard, lest any root of bitterness trouble you. And saints, that means no matter what its source. If there's any root, we have to dig it out, pluck it up, and get rid of it. May I say that more families have been destroyed and more churches have been divided because of bitterness. You and I can't imagine the number. We live in an era when bitterness is flourishing. Just the situation in which we live has planted the seed of bitterness in hearts all around us. Some are bitter because they are supposed to wear a mask. And some are bitter because no one wants to wear a mask. Some are bitter because you should have a vaccine and others are bitter because you should not have a vaccine. Others are bitter because someone else is bitter about what somebody else is bitter about. We are bitter because someone is a Democrat or because someone is a Republican. We're bitter because this person did that or that person did this or this person said that. If we're not careful, bitterness will consume and destroy us and the work that God has entrusted to us. Today, I want to show you three things regarding the misfortune of bitterness. First of all, what is the cause of bitterness in the life of a Christian? Some of you may say, well, it is what they did to me that has produced this bitterness. It is what they said to me that produced this bitterness. Some of you may even say, it is what they said about me to someone else. It is what they did or said to someone I know. May I say, what you have done is to take up a cause on behalf of another person and you have become bitter about what transpired in his or her life. But can I just say to you, that the answer to all these reasons that we might put forth for bitterness in our own lives could be answered with these words. Those are no reason for bitterness. It isn't about what someone did to us. It is not what someone said to us. It is not what someone said about me or what they did to someone I love. That is not the cause of bitterness in our heart. Really, the root and cause of bitterness is a twofold failure on our part. It is not someone else's fault. It is our fault. And if we have bitterness, it is not the fault of the person sitting next to you, nor the person sitting behind you, nor the person in front of you. It is not the pastor's fault. It is your fault if you have bitterness in your heart. 
What I just said can be proven from the word of God. What is this failure on our part? We have to understand this. No one else can make us bitter. We must choose to be bitter and we must choose to hold bitterness in our heart. You say, but you don't know what they did to me. If you turn to look and see Jesus hanging on that cross, it doesn't matter what they did or said to you. The truth of it is that if you or I hold bitterness, it is our own personal responsibility that we must face. The first thing we need to face is that bitterness is a failure on our part. It is a failure to draw on the grace of God. Notice what the writer says in Hebrews 12, 15. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God. To put it plainly, when we hold bitterness in our hearts, we have failed with our investment or our use of the grace of God. The Bible tells us in Hebrews 4.16, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. The time of need is when something negatively happens to us and we feel the root of bitterness welding up in us. We have a resource that we can draw upon. We can lean upon the abundance of God's grace. That means we can lean upon the grace of God and it will enable us to overcome, to root out, and to get victory over this bitterness. That grace is available to us because we can come boldly anytime that we have a need. Not only is that grace available, but it is also able. The Lord said to Paul in 2 Corinthians 12, 19, my grace is sufficient for thee. However, once again, we tend to say, but you don't know how bad it was. Well, that is true. I don't know that. But I know how great the grace of God is. I might add this. There are some here tonight who know how abundant and sufficient the grace of God is. No matter what it was that happened to us, if we would just avail ourselves of the abundant, available, able grace of God, we can have victory over this thing called bitterness. If we have bitterness, we have failed to draw on the grace of God. Paul made this great statement in Galatians 2.21. I do not frustrate the grace of God. That is, he is not going to nullify the grace of God. How do we frustrate or nullify the grace of God? Well, when God says he has grace for you in any given distressful situation, you say, I don't want that grace right now. I would rather hold on to this bitterness. But when a Christian takes that attitude, it shows they really do not understand why Jesus died on the cross for them 
or they take his sacrifice for granted. How can the grace of God accomplish what God wants to do in our lives when we decide that we love our bitterness more than being right with God? Our second failure is not only a failure to draw on the grace of God, but it is also a failure to submit to the Spirit of God. Ephesians 4.30 tells us, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. So the question arises, how are we going to make sure we do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God? Verse 31 says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. So the Holy Spirit desires to put this away from us. But that little word let, L-E-T, is a key word here. And it means that we must grant permission. The Holy Spirit is not going to smash open the door to our heart and violate our free will and say, uh, 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 you can't have this. I'm throwing it out with the rest of the garbage. But what the Holy Spirit will do is knock at the door of our heart and say, I have an ample amount of grace and the ability to help you overcome this bitterness if you will just give me the opportunity to do my work. I'm here and waiting for you to open the door. If we submit to the Spirit of God, we can overcome bitterness in our lives. It is true that if we hold bitterness, we have not yielded to the pleading of the Spirit of God in our hearts. Clinging to bitterness reveals that there is something not right in our heart between ourselves and God because we have failed to draw on his grace and submit to the Holy Spirit. This is something that becomes our responsibility. The ball is in our court. We cannot get rid of bitterness in our own strength because it takes the power of the Spirit of God once we submit to him. Now, there is something else involved in this. Everything we do has consequences. We need to think about the consequences of bitterness. For example, we make our choices, but along with our choices comes consequences that we have to accept. It would be great if we could choose the consequences before we decide to do something. But that isn't how life works. Consequences, regardless of what we do, is not an option. Consequences are built into our lives. Commit robbery, get caught, go to jail. Commit a murder, you could end up on death row. Deny the Holy Spirit for your entire life, you end up in hell. You say you are living your life by the Ten Commandments or the Sermon on the Mount apart from Christ, you will suffer the consequences for every commandment you fail to keep. 
You have to keep the Ten Commandments perfectly, 24 hours a day in order to avoid hell. Yes, you even have to keep them when you're asleep. Consequences come with the territory. Harboring bitterness has some very bad consequences, too. When a Christian harbors bitterness in his or her heart in life, what kind of results do we get? Well, for one, we've already mentioned Ephesians 4.30 that the Spirit of God is distressed. That is, we are not to grieve or quench the Holy Spirit. The way not to grieve the Holy Spirit is to submit to him when he knocks at the door of our heart. We can do this by knowing and obeying what God says in his word. When we grieve the Spirit of God, one of the consequences is that there is a great wall of impenetrable static in the communication channel between us and God. That ends part one 